There are so many things in this world that are about inclusivity and diversity, but where is the work really being done to include people, to make the table equal and give everyone a voice? Well, that is what we dive into in this episode today. Welcome to the Women of YouTube podcast. This podcast is hosted by me, Desiree Martins. Every week, I'm going to be showing up in your earbuds to inspire you on your YouTube journey with killer interviews with women YouTube creators, deep dives into the inner workings of how YouTube works, and discussing all the things about YouTube culture and the impact it is having on our world. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with vidIQ, where they help you maximize your videos to YouTube reach by studying titles, description, tags, and playlists relevant to your subject matter, while also studying your competitors to help you know exactly what you should be doing for your YouTube growth. So if you're a female creator looking to grow your channel, level up your content, and learn from the best women creators on the platform to get you on your way to YouTube success and future-proofing your income, this is the perfect place for you. Let's do this. Hi, my name is Desiree. Welcome to another episode of the Women of Video Podcast. I'm so excited to be up in your earballs today to share with you all the things. It's been a minute since I've done an intro because you girl were on vacation because I needed the break. I didn't vacation. I did this really cool post about it where I was like, there's a very big difference between like vacationing and traveling and your girl traveled and like I need a vacation from my traveling because I'm tired. Uh, and I know it's like the total like first world problems like Des, I wish I could go to England and all this stuff. I get it. Like I understand my, my hard work has led me to have really amazing um, experiences and opportunities. And so like it's a total vibe for sure. That being said, uh, I'm back and like I came back and there's like, I have so many things in my brain to talk about and share. Like I almost don't know where to start. I do know though, I am going to be doing like a solo episode, I think for next week where I'm talking about something very strategic that you want to see. And it's basically like the theme is like networking and like why you need to do it. And I don't want you to tune out and not come in because it's vital for you to be there for sure. Um, but I came back and like, the internet was like, here's a new social network. So like I am record, like I'm recording this a couple days after threads came out on um, Meta's like Twitter competitor. And like, it was fun for a second. And I know their whole thing's like, oh my God, a hundred million downloads. But like literally everyone's just curious and it's, it's building its own place. It's its own vibe. I did a whole video about it on the YouTube channel. Um, but like, I don't want you to feel but like TLDR, like if you don't want to be there, you don't want another thing to manage or take care of, like you don't have to. So like, don't worry about it. It's a whole thing. So I talked with Sasha about, who's my guest today. I talked to Sasha about her business and what she does. And she is building a space. She's like representing creators who have disabilities so that we can be more inclusive and brands can have more reach and diversity and we can like expand the reach. And this really spoke to me because women in video is a lot about that. We are an underserved, underprivileged demographic, which is ironic because we're 50% of the population, but I digress. But there's just a lot of things that have been going on in this space that's out there um, to, to build diversity, like bringing in people of color, people um, from different backgrounds, different minority groups, different ethnicities, also and, and disabilities is part of that. So disabilities sometimes are seen obvious, like amputation or having Down syndrome, all that kind of stuff, um, being deaf, being, being mute, being blind, all that stuff. But there's also like the ones that you don't see. Like I know that I deal with that every day with my husband who is a disabled veteran with PTSD and it's hard. Like, and sometimes like those I think are just as hard as anything else because they're the ones that you can't physically see. So people often don't think that there's anything wrong with you. So this is a really good conversation. We talked a lot about like what brands can do, what creators can do, what this looks like, 
what the business is like, all of these great things. So I really hope that you enjoy this, this conversation I had with Sasha. Welcome to the crazy show that is the Women of Video, Sasha. I am so excited to talk with you today. What you do is just so amazing, and I can't wait to share it with everybody. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. So Sasha, first and foremost, why video? Ooh, um, it is a great question. I would say, you know, the biggest answer that pops up in my brain when I think of video is the connection. Um, you know, I've worked in digital media, brand partnerships, and branded content for almost a decade now. So I've really seen the power of video and how it could take a brand so far with their audience and with their customers, and also how it could take influencers so far. So, um, you know, I think it's really just the connection that it gives people um, to brands and influencers and stories. Okay, so what brings you here today? What is your sphere of excellence and expertise? Um, ooh, <laughs> I, I'm still, you know, it's funny. I think as a woman in a career and in media, it's always hard for me to label myself as an expert, but it's something that I am definitely always working on of like kind of giving myself that confidence boost and, and really recognizing all of the experience that I have. Uh, the reason that I'm here today is to talk about um, digital media influencers and really focus on accessibility in influencer marketing and uh, marketing campaigns in general. I do have my own company called The Shine Side, where I work with influencers with disabilities and really focus on making media more accessible for all audiences. Okay, so there's so many things. <laughs> so much to unpack there. So many layers. <laughs> First of all, I love like that you presented that like a pro. Um, like high five. So, okay. So you help people with disabilities with getting social media, online video attention. How did that journey happen? What led you to this? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing I would say is I don't see myself as helping. Um, I see myself as shining a light on influencers, that are already on platforms, already have been recognized by audiences. Um, I think really my focus is always to be a resource for them and to help brands recognize them. Um, and this journey really started um, at a very young age. My dad worked as a, a special education teacher when I was growing up. So I grew up in classrooms with students and people with disabilities. And I think from a really young age, I just saw people from that community as being the same as me, but just living their lives a little differently. Um, and then when I, you know, fast forward to college, I went to UCLA and I studied English. So I'd always had a really, really big um, interest in storytelling and, you know, what makes a story and what brings, um, you know, what makes people engaged in a story. Um, but then I also studied disability studies and um, that was my minor. And while I was in school, I was really focused on learning more about the disability community. And I think for so long, um, I thought about working with the disability community and I think a lot of people kind of fall into this trap. So I really like to talk about it. Um, you know, you kind of see it as like you're helping others, like you're doing something for someone else. And it's kind of, um, you know, as, as much as like, I don't want to deter people from 
volunteering or working with people or, or, you know, donating or anything like that. Um, I, I think a lot of times we think about people with disabilities and think about the things that we do for others. And it kind of, you know, makes it like a, a pat on the back in a way where it's like, oh, well, I did that for them. And like, I'm a really good person for that. And so I think that was a really amazing part about the program at UCLA that I was in because it really broke those ideas down. Um, I, I vividly remember a class that I had, like one of my first classes for disability studies, it was like disability study 101. And we had a professor come in who led the uh, deaf studies department. And he was um, deaf since birth, his entire family's deaf. And he came in and was like, you know, I love being deaf. And I want my kids to be deaf. I think everyone should be deaf. I'm so proud to be a part of that community. And he really flipped everything on its head. And, um, you know, something that he told us, and it's so interesting, because now that I think about this, this was like, 11 years ago, and I vividly remember it, because it really just helped me realize, like, what the community needs and what the community doesn't need. And he said, you know, when you hold a door open for somebody who's in a wheelchair, you're doing that for yourself. Um, I'm sure the intention is not to like, make that person feel belittled or make that person feel bad. You think you're doing something kind for them, but maybe they didn't need you to hold the door open. And so, um, like I said, I don't want to deter people from, from helping others and, and recognizing others needs. But I think that that was kind of like a, a moment in my journey of like learning about the disability community and learning about disability studies, where I started to understand the tokenism and the different, um, there are a lot of layers to it. Um, and that was kind of, you know, the first time where I started to think about, well, how can I work with people with disabilities in a way that is honoring what they do and how they live their lives without taking their power from them? What are some of the things that you've learned that we can apply to our, our creator journey, and even just like our life journey, where we can do just what you said there at the end, which is help support them without like making ourselves feel better or like doing like, like you said, tokenism, like making it a natural integration to what we're doing and, and how we're creating and how we're living. Yeah. I think accessibility on social media is a really big area that a lot of brands aren't inherently doing yet. Um, and you know, I, I've been in many conversations with brands. Um, I worked at a brand for about a year. Um, so I understand, you know, a lot of times brands have the best intentions. I don't think anyone is in a room and thinking like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, add somebody with a disability in an ad campaign and kind of check off that list and not think about it again. I think a lot of times brands are scared or a little apprehensive because they don't want to offend. They don't want to use language that's um, not going to resonate with the community. And um, there are some like very simple practices that brands can start to implement just in like social media and their campaigns to make sure that audiences are able to access what they're doing. So um, that is something that I talk about a lot. You know, there, there are a lot of different features like on Instagram, for instance, like alt text, 
using alternate text features to add, um, you know, text that is read out loud by screen reader for those who are visually impaired, um, always having descriptive language in the caption to provide details. If there's content that's video, making sure that there, you know, is a description, a descriptive caption of lyrics or the tone of the content. Um, camel case is a big one. And that was a new one that I recently learned about, like when a brand uses a hashtag, making sure the first letter of each word after that hashtag is capitalized because when a screen reader is reading it, it will, you know, kind of read it all uh, jumbled up if that is not um, done. And it's such an easy thing that you can do. Um, so like I said, you know, I think there's a lot of ways that brands can just be a little more, um, a little more, uh, they can think about it in a little bit of a deeper level. And um, it doesn't have to be so like, it doesn't have to feel so big. Um, it, you know, these are very easy things that can be implemented on social media to make the experience more accessible for all audiences. Um, emojis are another one. I love emojis, but using like a bunch of them is super tough for people who use screen readers because the screen reader will literally read out like yellow smiley face, yellow smiley face. Yeah, and like, if you have like 10 different emojis, like that is a really frustrating um experience and then the last one is like hyperlinks so I think you know honestly all creators can implement this um not only brands I think anybody with a social platform can implement these really easy uh mm -hmm. things okay so that's a lot of I think base things that we can do as creators no matter where we are and what we're doing yeah. look I'm really sorry to interrupt but did you know that YouTube is the world's second biggest search engine Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but that's why every creator truly needs to be using vidIQ to grow their YouTube channel. vidIQ's tech helps you tailor your video ideas to match what people are searching for right now on YouTube. And once you're ready to upload, well, it starts optimizing and getting you all the details that you need to make sure your videos are getting noticed. If you really wanna dive in more and get started for free, please head over to thewomenofyoutube.com forward slash vidIQ to get started on this YouTube channel changing tool that is going to make things so much easier for you. All right, let's get back to it. How do creators who do have disabilities, how can they create content without it being their trope? So I, we've had different creators on the podcast um, of different places that they've lived, places they're from, different races, different ethnicities, and they've been able to find great niches with where they are, but also like they're still trying to amplify and build up their community, especially around like Latin create Latina creators and black creators and, and that sort of stuff. What can a, a person who has a disability, a woman who has a disability specifically as a creator do to create and understand like while integrating her disability in without making it what defines her? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, and honestly, I think most of the talent that I work with, um, you know, I work with them because of the dynamic stories that they have. I feel like most of their content is, you know, about their lifestyles, about who they are, and they just happen to have a disability. So for me, um, you know, like I mentioned, the shine side, you know, my mission statement is shining a light on talent 
in the disability community. Um, and I, I built this business because I really wanted brands to see the humans behind the disability and all of the creators that I work with, um, you know, really exemplify that. Um, I, I have a creator that I work with named Tanya Lee Davis. She is a comedian with dwarfism. She's been in comedy for 30 years. A lot of her content is kind of revealing or, you know, pulling back the veil of how she lives her life. She gets questions all the time of like, how do you put a shirt on? Um, how do you find shoes that fit you? And she creates content really just showing like, hey, I am like everyone else. I just do things a little differently. But that is not the core of her of her content. She's a comedian. She has a very you know, interesting lifestyle that she leads and her audience is really captivated by who she is and her career. And, you know, she kind of sprinkles in these moments of like, well, this is how I live my life. It's a little different from you, but I wake up in the morning every day, put on makeup and get dressed the same way that you do. Um, and so I think that that's like really the cool part of um, where we are in marketing and media and brands are starting to recognize these creators and, and not being as scared to work with them. Um, and, you know, I think that's like a really exciting thing because I have been in rooms where where brands are kind of being like, oh, like we don't want to, we don't want to offend or we don't want to use the wrong word or we don't want to do this or that. Or, you know, we, we included somebody with a prosthetic in an ad campaign and then we don't really have to think about it anymore. I think it's really important to kind of understand who the human is besides the disability. Um, and I, I feel that the conversations are moving in that direction, which is great. I remember I went to, I was in Vegas um, at the beginning of 2023 and I went to, it was the like creators live event that they did. And it was like brands talking to brands, which I thought was a very interesting choice. Like what a weird circle to be in where brands are talking to brands about the creator economy and like what they do to create. And I'm like, I feel like you forgot some people here guys, but I digress. <laughs> One of the things that someone stood up and asked to a panel of brands. They're very big brands up on the stage, like Peloton. And um, that was a big, like, there was just a bunch of them. I can't remember them all off the top of my head. Taco Bell, that kind of thing. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the individuals in the crowd stood up and said, hey, what are you guys doing to integrate and shine light with and work with people of color? Like, what is, like, your intentional plan for that? Yeah. And literally all of them, like, soft answered without like anything strategic or specific that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of one of those things that I remember I talked to the guy afterwards about it and he was like, if I don't ask, it doesn't get brought to their attention. doesn't get the shine light. But I, but I already knew the answer. Like I already knew that they're like not doing things because of what it is. And I feel like we're in this interesting era in media where it's like, we're trying to be more inclusive, but then it's also like going the ex extreme opposite way and sometimes pushing things too far or we're at, like, have to ask us, like, do we need to do this? Is, like, are we doing this because we're trying to, like, is, like, it's a cash grab or whatever? So it's really, like, I think finding that balance is so difficult. And as a creator, we don't want to be the token whatever. Because I know I have been the token woman in, in many mm -hmm. a room, on many a podcast, and many a video yeah. with many a companies. And <clears throat> it sucks because usually what ends up happening if, like, they do listen, when, when they're, they, they'll listen, but then they go, like, you know, I always have this theory about groups of men. Like you get a, a group of men more than three and they just start acting like idiots. <laughs> two, like two of them together, they're fine. Three or yeah. more, they're idiots. And they just like go into this like 
pissing contest bullshit and like those are not fun environments to be in because women don't do that the more women that are coming together the more we bring each other together and lift each other up and support each other and help each other and so it's just very contradictory how can creators with disabilities you know build a space for themselves what can they do to be the squeaky wheels to be the the voices of like we're here to pay attention to us we're worth just as much money as those white male creators that you're doing. And in fact, we're better because we talk to this specific person and we have these kinds of conversions and stuff. What do they need to do to, to stand out and, and find what they need and want? Honestly, I think it's the same for, for anybody who is online and anybody who's an influencer, um, you know, finding your, your niche and finding your audience and finding your passions and putting that online. Um, you know, I've worked with influencers for a really long time. And in the beginning of my career, I, I did not focus so much on disability studies and, and the disability community. And it was really, really tough for me in my day to day to feel like I was working towards my passion. You know, I was successful in what I was doing. I was working in sales and with brands and I, I loved what I did. But at the end of the day, I was like, where is my passion and where is my purpose? And, and what are I doing to kind of, you know, push the needle or, you know, really push these ideals and um, these things that I care about. And so I think it's the same for creators. Um, it's really easy, especially now where we are in the influencer world and um, audiences are a lot smarter. I think a creator who goes online and is just, you know, talking about something because it's a trend or trying to uh, chase trends all the time is not going to do well. I think, you know, for creators with disabilities, it's really it's the same advice I would give anybody who wants to be online is like, be authentic. Um, put in the work, really be consistent. Um, I, you know, I work with a number of creators who um, I started working with and they're really, really new on platforms. Henrik Cox, I started working with in 2020. He had, I think, 100,000 followers on his uh, TikTok and he primarily worked, um, uh, he did a lot of gaming um, content, which is something that he enjoys. But over the last two years, I've watched him kind of pivot into really focusing on um, adventure and, you know, travel in, in his, um, in his real life outside of the digital space. He's a full-time engineer in wildlife conservation. So that's obviously an area for him. That's a passion and something that he really cares about. And I think once he started to bring that into his content, he's now at 2.5 million followers on TikTok. Whoa. His content has really soared and um, he has a prosthetic and he talks about it a lot. He talks about the technology behind it. And, um, you know, I think he's a really good example of someone that got on the platforms and just kind of started, uh, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. I think that's such a funny metaphor. <laughs> I, I like try to use it anytime I talk to somebody. But um, not to say that gaming was not authentic to him. I, I think it is like it is an area that he enjoys. But now you see this like really this passion that he has for life and adventure and he's doing it all with a disability and it, you know, the disability, it almost comes second uh, to the, the content that he's creating. So I, like I said, I think um, 
if anybody is is interested in creating a presence on a social platform, I think really authenticity is at the core of that. Um, for people with disabilities, it might be a little more challenging or feel a little scarier because you are putting out there, um, you know, a part of your life that is not always seen. Um, but I do think that if somebody is brave enough to do it, um, audiences do recognize that. And, and um, there is a lot of support on a lot of platforms, TikTok especially. Um, so, so it can be a really great place and a really great experience, I think. I love it. Okay. So we've talked a lot about what creators can do and, and how all that works. Once we've created, once we have those portfolios going, once we're doing stuff and we have an audience, all the things, mm -hmm. what does then working with you look like? What does the shine side do like how does the brand partnerships work all of that stuff because i love the uniqueness of what you're doing with the shine side where you only represent talent with disabilities to help them get light get attention make money <laughs> and and mm -hmm. and really do all of that stuff so what is that piece like yeah so Early on, I decided I wanted the Shine site to be a resource. So a resource for talent and for brands. And um, transparently, I started the Shine site right when I was starting my MBA So um, and working full time. So there was a lot going on in my life, but I really just, you know, I saw so many conversations starting to happen around um, you know, inclusivity and diversity and really great conversations. But I felt that disability was being left out a lot of the time. And that's really what pushed me to start the shine side when I did. Um, at the time, I kind of just hit the ground running on like meeting talent and getting an understanding of what were some of the things that they needed help with. Um, you know, where could I bring the work that I've done and, and my experience and expertise to elevate their presence. Um, but, you know, everybody that I've met and worked with already had started and already had um, somewhat of an audience. So, you know, like I said, I, I really wanted to be a resource to the talent about strategy, how to work with brands, how to review contracts, um, how to position your content on different platforms, um, you know, kind of creating like a social halo, getting started on a new platform. And that was really like my, my initial relationship builder. And then on the brand side, um, really be a resource as well, but for them to help understand, um, you know, how to make content more accessible, how to work with influencers with disabilities, why it's important to recognize creators um, from that space and, you know, kind of help them feel more comfortable um, and also understand like the language that should be used and, you know, really have conversations like I'm having right now. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, I think I've said this already, but brands will kind of shy away from that. So I wanted to be a resource where, if they have questions, they can come to the shine side, they can come to me and, and it is a safe space to ask those questions. Um, since I started the shine side in 2020, it has definitely uh, expanded and morphed more into uh, working on brand partnerships. So that is something that I am always actively doing. Um, I do have a roster of creators who have signed agreements with me where I am able to pitch them for campaigns um, and work with them on a, a more, uh, you know, business oriented level where I do still have the ability to uh, answer those questions for them and help them with their social media strategy and, and uh, different questions that they have. But also I 
am actively having conversations for them um, to do brand campaigns. So I will be honest in the the brand campaign part of it has been a little bit slower <laughs> to to get started. Um, you know, it's it's a really huge goal of mine and. I was able to sell through two campaigns this year, which I'm really excited about. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping that that's kind of the core of the business moving forward um, as I have more conversations like this and I joined WIM and I've been really just trying to kind of push that um, and, and push myself to be more, um, you know, do more networking. This is my first podcast. <laughs> I was, I was doing great. Oh, thank you. I was super nervous, um, but I am pushing myself to have more these conversations because I do think it's super important. And like I said, well, first of all, I'm so excited to be your your first podcast. You have done a wonderful job. So sorry what? for episode. I know we're getting really into it, but are you looking for a powerful, easy to use tool that can help you take your video to the next level? If so, I've got just the tool for you. Today's episode is brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one solution for all of your content creation needs. With Adobe Express, you can easily create stunning videos, design eye-catching thumbnails, clip and trim your videos with ease, and schedule your content for social media. One of the standout features of Adobe Express is the range of thumbnail templates that are available. With dozens of customizable templates to choose from, you can create thumbnails that are both visually appealing, informative, and help your videos stand out on that crowded home feed of YouTube. And when it comes to video clipping, it makes it so much easier to repurpose your content from those long form videos to all of the other vertical video platforms, and you can easily share them with the scheduling tool within Adobe Express. So if you're ready to take your content creation to the next level, head over to Adobe Express and start your free trial today. You can find the link to get signed up for today over in our show notes at womenofvideo.com. And remember, Adobe Express is the perfect tool for taking your content to the next episode. All right, back to the episode. What um, uh, was one of the campaigns that you had worked on uh, recently and wait with the brand like what was that experience like just so we can kind of get an idea of, like what working with the talent manager looks like or what a person who is disabled would like what their experience might be like with working with you yeah honestly I I don't really see so far there hasn't been that many differences between like other campaigns that I've worked on in the past. Um, my background, I worked at Studio 71 for five years uh, as a director in the brand partnerships team. And while I was there, I executed 750 campaigns. Um, so it was a, a ton of, uh, of <laughs> brands and talent and working um, all of the across all of the different areas and pro of project management. Um, I also worked at Fox internally, and then I was at Zappos last year. Um, and I think Zappos was a really interesting place to be because they do have a line of products uh, dedicated to accessibility and adaptive um, adaptive clothing and, and shoes. And so um, that was really cool because I kind of got to see from the brand side, like how a brand can do it right and how a brand can be more accommodating to talent and making sure that, you know, the, um, the products are not only uh, adaptive, but the shoots are accessible. Um, the talent feels comfortable, um, you know, going into the partnership, doing uh, things like round tables with talent to actually review the products and understand, you know, from their perspective, how the products felt, what they um, 
what they um, have done for them in their lives. And so those are all things that I, I bring into, you know, the brands that I work with currently at the shine side. Um, I would say most of the campaigns that we've, like I said, we've only done two. Um, they, they haven't, there hasn't been any area to, um, to, you know, go too far off from what is pretty expected for a campaign. But I think, you know, for me in my back pocket, uh, just kind of having that understanding of, of some of the things I went through at Zappos um, and and like working with that adaptive team, um, you know, making sure that we're bringing kind of those standards into the campaigns that I work on now. I know a lot of companies who are working really hard on inclusivity and, and bringing people in and having more diversity and range with people who do different things so that that representation is there because, uh, while I might not be disabled, I still understand that like I don't need to see myself only everywhere that I go. It's being important to see all the integrations and then as a person who does not have a disability, being able to be an advocate for those that do. Mm -hmm. I know my, my husband is a disabled veteran as well. And so in the, he is in the PTSD um, part of it. And like it's that also not all disabilities you see. Um, so yeah. a lot of that education has to happen as well. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's so many invisible disabilities. I actually was diagnosed with ADHD, um, about gosh, was it two years ago now? And <laughs> you might notice I repeat things a lot and I'm always You're like, I've said that already. And it's a lot of it is because I'm still learning about this diagnosis. You know, like I went through all of my years of school of like being in trouble for fiddling with things and playing with my jewelry and like here I am now playing with my jewelry and so I think there's there's a really that's been a really interesting journey for me um to feel like I've had this passion for advocacy for so long and then to actually be part of this community and I'm really proud of that and I talk about having ADHD a lot and I've brought it up in like huge meetings that you know it, with brands that I've worked with and and companies I've worked for because I want people to realize that disability doesn't always look like somebody in a wheelchair of course we want to make sure people like that are highlighted as well but I am somebody that goes into a meeting and, you know, I look like a, um, a cis white female, but I do have a disability and I do struggle with it. And I do have times where I will, you know, say a little too much or I have to doodle during a meeting or I need to be playing with something in my hands to be able to focus. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to work as hard as my other peers and I'm not going to, you know, do the job. It's just I do it a little differently. So um, I think that that's been a really interesting part of all of this, too, is kind of uh, grounding myself in in um, it's OK <laughs> to, to have those moments where I'm like, what did I just say or what's that word or what am I thinking about? And And just know that, like, I'm part of a really great community that I'm really proud of. I love that. I love that for you so very much. <laughs> what are your like kind of like final wrap up thoughts about the creator economy and disabilities and, and like where we're going to send us off with a little bit of inspiration? Yeah, I mean, it's wild to have been in this space for so long. Like I remember a time where we didn't even have a word for influencers, <laughs> you know, it was like YouTubers, people online. Um, I, I started working in this space in 2011. Um, so it's been a wild journey. I 
really appreciate everything that I've learned and everybody that I've worked with. And I think the coolest part um, and something that I really, really think has been such a, an amazing piece of all of it is being to being able to see brands and media recognize the power of influencers, the power of the audiences, um, you know, the power of their ability to promote products and brands and services that they care about and they love. And, you know, I think it's, it's been a really cool um, experience, you know, cause I, I do have a ton of talent managers that I've been friends with for years um, who I've seen, you know, work with creators from the very start, you know, decade long careers and seeing talent actually starting to accomplish their dreams and things that they've wanted to do for as long as I've known them. Um, it's, it's a really exciting time. And I, I'm really excited that, you know, the recognition is um, coming and it's, it's really becoming, um, we're here to stay. Um, and I think that that's like a really, really cool piece of it. Because I remember a time where I would say I work with influencers and people would be like, oh, like, is that stable? Or like, is that like, you know, you can make money from that. And now it's like, oh, I work with influencers and people are like, that's so cool. Like, I get it and I understand it. And, you know, it's it's great that, that we're here and we're here to stay and that, you know, it's only going to get better, especially with like new platforms starting every day. I mean, what an exciting time. <laughs> we have threads, we have spill, like, you know, every, every, I feel like once a month, even every couple weeks, it's like some new platform pops up that everybody's jumping to. So there's just so much room for growth and for evolution. And um, it's really cool. You know, it's like, who knows who, what creator is going to be out a year from now, like doing something really, really awesome with their, their voice. So it could be you that's listening. You could be next. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's so funny to talk about thread too. Cause I, uh, when we recorded this, it's like thread came out like two days ago oh, and yeah. um it's so funny because like everyone's going on it, but it's like everyone's talking about it everywhere else. Like it was like the number one trending thing on TikTok yeah. and, <laughs> and, Instagram and, and Facebook talking about, are you on, yeah. on thread and all this kind of, which is so funny to me. And like my initial reaction straight up was like, not another platform. I have to think, yeah. I do not want to do this, but I feel like it has a bit more staying power than other platforms like lemonade or clapper or whatever, because it's mm -hmm. powered by meta. And so it's just kind of like, I have to do this. And I'm just like, oh, but also yeah. it's been fun. I think what I want to do with thread is I want to like be not a video creator. I want to be like the other parts of who I am, like talk about traveling yeah. and I was Ooh. thinking that too. Pedicures, was, that kind of I stuff. I want to make it like my Vanderpump rules, like, <laughs> like account where I just talk about like random celebrity reality gossip. <laughs> it's just so hard. Like we're we have to be these people all the time, and I because like an algorithm wants you to be one point five things. Like that's it. Like you can't be more want more say more do more like they want you to have a little box you sit into and i'm like yeah. if i go to the next platform i can just do something different like 
not that like what I'm doing is wrong, but more it's like, I just want to be other parts of myself online. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have to have like a different persona for every. <laughs> yeah, we need some variety. We need some spice, right? So yeah. <laughs> right, awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Tasha. Where can we learn more about the shine side? Um, the shine side.com has all of the things linked and then on the shine side on Instagram. Love it. Well, thank you so much for spending time this week, Tasha. I appreciate it. Yes, you and everyone listening are impossibly amazing. Until next week, peace. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Women of YouTube podcast. We would love to know what you thought about this latest episode. So make sure to tag us with hashtag Women of YouTube with your thoughts. 